Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. The natural ability to build a strong community is deep within Courtney Chu's bones. Her compassion and empathy are unparalleled. She was born into an entrepreneurial and creative family, all of which led her into the first leg of her career, marketing and branding at places like Aritzia, Wings and Horns, and Kitten Ace. In 2018, she took a leap of faith and launched her own swimwear lifestyle brand, Ocean. In this conversation, we examine entrepreneurship in the pandemic, getting comfortable with vulnerability, and why building a better, more connected world is important to her. Please enjoy this episode with the beautiful soul that is Courtney Chu. Courtney Chu, welcome to The Craft. Thanks, May. Thank you for being here. I know, very exciting. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about how we first met. Do you remember how we first met? Because I don't even really know. Honestly, I don't remember. I was trying to think about that too. It must have been, obviously, we have our shared friends, so someone. Somewhere along the way, it may have been Dixon and Pearl. Yeah, I think so. Our dear friends, Dixon and Pearl, our friend family, and you quickly became part of the friend family. (laughs) You guys are so welcoming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that was a connection a few years ago, and I think I just saw your name floating around, too, again, from our similar circles. I think so. I think we probably, like, reconnected at an event or something. Yeah. And then everyone was like, you don't know each other. Like it was almost like a surprise. I was like, I don't even know. Like, how do I not know me? You know what I mean? (laughs) And same. Yeah. yeah, In return. I do remember, I think we also connected over email a while ago. Mm -hmm. This was when you were still working at Rennie and we were trying to do some sort of fundraiser together. And my friend was like, how do you not know May? Like you guys should connect. And so, and then I think that kind of just took us. That's right. Now that you're, now that you're talking about it, I remember that email exchange. Yeah. Well, I'm very fun. happy you're a part of my life I now. I know. <laughs> I can't imagine life without you now, honestly. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> um, so you grew up in Vancouver. Yes. And you grew up in a family of four. And your dad was an entrepreneur and your mom was a designer. So you grew up in a household that was very business and creative, mm. equally split. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was, I think growing up, I didn't really think anything different. I think I was in a way looking back, like kind of sheltered in that um, mindset where I just thought it was normal to grow up with a dad who was like starting his own business back then. And then um, realizing more and more, especially when they were growing up, that that wasn't really the typical or the norm um, for, you know, children of immigrants coming Mm. into Vancouver. Um, My mom has always been about, you know, get a steady job and make sure you're getting the benefits and like work corporate and be happy. And, um, my dad has kind of always shown that little bit more of like a risky side to him. Um, and there's a lot of like heart and passion behind what they both do, but what he does, especially like he's very much, um, you know, try and just like try hard. And if you fail, you fail, but like, at least you learned. And I think that that was something that really, um, looking back really was resonant in my childhood, which I never really thought about while I was, you know, growing up, mm-hmm. I just kind of thought it was how I, how everyone kind of, you know, operated. operated. Mm. Um, but 
kind of now starting my own businesses and stuff and realizing how um, grateful I am to also just have that have had that experience growing up with um, you know a mom that was very encouraging but also treaded more on making sure you're like stable and um, diligent and practical <laughs> and then balancing that with my dad who was a little bit more you know take those risks like dream big and and um, be ambitious and then see what happens and mm-hmm. I think that balance was really what yeah made me even confident to start what I'm doing now and I think that that was had way more of an impact on me than I never ever thought I think mm. yeah so you're half dad half mom half dad half mom I think yeah mm. definitely Yeah. And so then um, tell me a little bit more about how you came out of school and then got Mm. into marketing because you did find yourself in this marketing world, marketing, branding, retail. Yeah. um, And you worked with Aritzia, Wings and Horns and Kitnase. Yeah. And then found yourself being an entrepreneur with Ocean. Right. Yeah. Um, To be completely transparent, it was kind of a fluke the way that I navigated my uh, education and my career. Um, But I, you know, in high school, when you're in grade 10, grade 11, you're starting to think about what you want to do. I spent like most of my time in art class, to be honest. Like I just was always in the art room, like drawing or painting or just whatever, like hanging out. Um, I did English. So I thought I was always very artsy and creative. Um, I think when I was looking for universities or what to apply into, I just started like narrowing it down by like, you know, what, what do you, I think I can get a job out of really. Um, And I knew I didn't want to do sciences. I knew I wasn't good enough in math to kind of pursue that. Um, And I was like, well, my dad did business, so maybe I'll do business. And that's literally how I fell into business. Um, I got into solder. So I went to to UBC local here, which was awesome. It turned out to be an amazing experience. Um, and did I thought you live I was, on campus. I didn't actually. Oh, okay. I I, I uh, live really close to campus, so it was yeah. like I need to just save money and yes, yes, bust my ass to school. But um, I spent a lot of time on campus because UBC is just I don't know. I could go on and on and on about it. I it wasn't actually my first choice. I wanted to move to Montreal and go to McGill with all my friends because everyone was going East Coast where um, where I graduated from school. But I was one of the only ones that really stayed local. And I ended up, it ended up being the best thing for me because it really opened me up to new experiences, to new people. I was very shy in high school, kind of like, you know, stand in front of the, the um, class public speaking behind a book, kind of shy. Mm-hmm. Like I would just like not be good at it. Yeah. Um, You've said you're a type A introvert. <laughs> I, yeah, I definitely was like very introvert back then. I've kind of learned throughout my career to, um, be more expressive, I guess, or put myself in, you know, uncomfortable positions. Um, but yeah, back then I was like super shy, um, didn't really know what I was wanting to do. Um, ended up going to solder and thinking I was going to go actually into accounting. Cause I was like, my dad's an accountant. I'm going to do that. Took my first accounting class. I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> I'm not going into accounting. Uh, and then from that, I just ended up landing into marketing because I just thought, okay, maybe marketing will offer me a little bit of like the strategy, the creative side that I'm so used to, um, and then a little bit of a business, like maybe well-rounded. Um, from there, I just started like really investing myself into marketing and the, into commerce. Like I was, you know, part of the marketing club at UBC and like did all those things as well as a lot of arts clubs and 
um, started to see through that actually how networking and connecting with people was like a really big passion of mine. I think just through being able to do all the events that we did in marketing and in the Commerce Undergraduate Society um, and in my arts clubs that I was part of, like events just became like a big part of uh, and meeting people just became a big part of me and how I wanted to continue to show up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What were those experiences like working for the big brands? Ooh. It was great. I mean, I learned so much. I think um, so right out of uh, university. So I was kind of working um, at Aritzia at the time, actually throughout my university career. So from high school to university, I worked at Aritzia. And that's really where I got into this whole like fashion retail space. Um, I ended up leaving Aritzia to go to school in Hong Kong for a semester, came back and realized that I wanted to um, spend more time in like marketing. Um, so I started working at Wings and Horns um, and kind of led all of their strategies in terms of marketing, PR, um, everything. Like it was, it was back then there wasn't even social media. We didn't mm-hmm. even have e-commerce. It was just like the starting point of all that. So um, that, and it's a great brand. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really awesome. The team that back then was awesome. They're still really great today, but it's a different business. They're so much bigger now, which is amazing and incredible to see their journey as over the past 10 years, 11 years since I was there. Um, but I think that that was a really pivotal moment because, or a pivotal experience anyways, because it really taught me to um, think big picture. It really taught me um, how to take that initiative to learn things on the fly and on the go as we needed to, and to trust in, um, the whole process. Like, you know, we might not have all the answers for knowing, like, especially with e-commerce, for example, that was like a brand new industry, a brand new niche. Um, we didn't know anything that was going on. And so we just had to like try and test and learn and iterate. Um, and, uh, it was just an experience, a big learning experience. I think from the biggest things that I took away from all the points in my career um, was what am I learning in the moment that will help me get to where I want to go next. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest lessons from all my points in my journey so far, even the, the smaller companies or the big companies was, um, you know, even the most mundane task can offer you something, you know, even the most like smallest thing or the thing that's the most annoying those Excel sheets or whatever, like you're learning something from that. And I think that's a perspective Mm -hmm. we all need to kind of continue to have is what can we, um, what value can we turn, what can we turn, what value can we bring this experience that we're doing right now in, and look of it as a learning opportunity, constant learning. I do. I I agree with you. I think those, those are, you're talking about Excel sheets Mm -hmm. and and things like that. And (laughs) those, those are really foundational because you can have a great, great idea and vision, but there are the steps to get there. And yeah. those little mundane things are um, part of those steps yeah. of even, organization. And even I think like working, um, you know, I, I when I used to manage a team at my old company, I would always encourage them to think about those mundane tasks as something bigger, you know, like um, working in retail and customer service, like those days are not always incredible and glamorous. And um, when I was on the floor at Aritzia, it wasn't like, you know, every day was, seemed like huge and impactful, you know, you're, you're, you're selling clothes and mm-hmm. you're managing that, whatever is happening that day. Um, but I feel like it's those moments that actually bring you, um, clarity in how you want to show up 
and mm. it kind of builds your character and it shows that you can get through all that shitty stuff or the small things or the hard times um, because life is really difficult and uh, kind of, you know, prepping ourselves for things like bigger things that come up. I think yeah. the smaller things are the things we kind of take for granted sometimes that we actually learn mm. quite a lot. We learn how resilient we are. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I guess all of that stuff, everything that you learned prepped you for what you were going to do next, which is launch your own lifestyle brand. Yep. Um, Can you tell me about that pivotal moment where you knew this is the time that I'm going to become an entrepreneur and I'm going to do this? Um, Yeah. So... It, I had just finished um, my last role and I was getting into consulting a little bit more heavy. Um, I love just like working with brands and helping them realize their purpose and helping them, seeing them grow. I just think it's really cool to watch a founder become passionate and connected with what they're doing again. Um, so I was doing that for a little bit and I just started realizing like I think through even when I was let's just like go back a little bit but like when I first started working when I was like 15 or 16 years old I had this like naive idea that I always wanted to be my own boss and I think that came a lot from like seeing my dad be his own boss um but you know when you're young you're like oh yeah like I'm gonna like own a business one day like whatever not really knowing what the steps that it takes to do that um but I think having that random goal um somehow indirectly always kept me um pushing towards that in every role that I took on you know I was like Mm. okay well if I'm going to be my own boss like what can I take from here to make me make sure I'm prepared to be that um so anyways fast forward I'm helping out some clients and in their purpose and their goals and I'm realizing that there's like so much that I also wanted to do um and I just figured it was kind of time for me to to try that like if I keep telling all these people like do do this like keep pushing for this like you've got a great idea put everything that you can behind it. Um, but yet here I am like sitting on this potential idea and I'm not doing anything for it for myself. Um, I just felt it was time to just try. And I know I mentioned this earlier, but I think the biggest turning point for me was um, just acknowledging that like failure is fine. You know, I think we go through this life of we've got all these things we need to check off, all these boxes, you know, go to go to school, succeed in school, like get a job, succeed in your career, have a family, whatever that looks like. Um, but we kind of don't talk about how the, the, maybe the negative side of things or the not so happy or the not so bright moments are actually really important too. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, it was acknowledging that like, okay, if I do fail in this venture, that's fine. Like it's just failure and failure allows opportunities to learn and mm-hmm. to grow if you want it and then to keep going. Right. Yeah. So diversity is growth. Definitely. So mm. that to me was like, okay, well, the worst thing that I can do is fail. And if that's the worst thing, um, and that actually isn't that bad yeah, of a prepared thing, yourself then, for yeah, it. then like, why don't we just try? Mm. Um, so yeah, so here I am, I guess we launched ocean in 2018. So it's been a couple of years now. Um, yeah. last year was a little bit of a doozy because of COVID. Yeah. So that for you as a business owner? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm going to be honest. It was hard. Obviously I think it was really difficult for a lot of people, um, especially in retail and especially in the space that we're in right now being 
um, lifestyle, but also in EcoSwim, um, no one's really traveling. No one's really, mm-hmm. you know, buying beachwear or, or those lifestyle pieces. Um, so it was really uh, trying for us, I think, in the beginning. Um, definitely worried, but I think it allowed us to shift um, our mindset and our perspective and what we wanted Ocean to be. Um, mm. I've always wanted Ocean to become like a lifestyle and a platform to connect people, to empower people, to just create with other amazing humans around the world. Um, and swimwear for us was that initial vehicle to be able to do that, to be able to connect with our passion for um, caring about things that we appreciate, like the oceans, for example. Um, but I've always wanted it to kind of blossom into more than just swimwear. So I think last year was just um, a moment for us to be like, okay, well, why don't we continue to push that? Why don't we, you know, we don't have to worry about just focusing on swimwear if that's not the intention of how we want to show up only in the future. Mm-hmm. So why don't we try to push into other things that we um, that is important to us? And so we came up with a bunch of different initiatives and collaborations and content. And I think um, it's like really setting us up again to like be creative and to think about um, the impact that we want Ocean to have as a brand, not just as like a swimmer company. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that you've made that shift because mm. in, you know, our um, few years of friendship now mm-hmm. that we've gotten to know each other way better, um, just this natural ability that you have to build community, not only in Vancouver, but across the world and across different cities is something that's so naturally inherent to you. So um, I don't uh, I don't find it a far stretch that it's what Ocean is also doing. Oh, I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think in a weird way, um, Ocean is definitely an extension of me. So I guess that, that um, if that shows up, that's awesome. Like I definitely want it to become... Um, a natural, genuine experience with whoever, you know, invests in our brand or engages with us. So yeah, that definitely means a lot. But community is um, very foundational to what we're trying to create at Ocean. Um, I really just want, yeah, to, similar to what you're doing here with the craft, like it's amazing. It's incredible just bringing voices together. I think when we see when we really genuinely collaborate with one another, when we push down these perceived boundaries that we seem to have, um, really cool things happen you know like when we just let things go a little bit there's enough space there's enough room and space for everyone to participate in whatever they want to do and once we realize that I think it's just I don't know sky's the limit really to not to be cheesy and cliche but we're just so much better together you Mm -hmm. know and that's definitely a big thing that came up with COVID too right when we're together when we're collaborative when we're like one with one another, yeah. we get so much more shit done. So much more. Yeah. And I'm curious to know this sense of community building. Mm. Where does that come from for you? Um, that's a really good question because I think over the past few years, I've been really trying to figure that out for myself too. Um, I, again, I think I touched on it a little bit. Like in university, that was really a big a starting point, you know, getting involved in all those clubs and um, – having to put people together and throwing events like that was the first start about learning about community and event building and whatnot. Um, But I don't think it actually ended up turning into something more, I don't know, of purpose for me or a passion for me until 
I started thinking a little bit more about Ocean. And prior to launching Ocean two years ago, I had built out the business plan for it like four years in advance. So like I was working on it for a long time and I just couldn't figure out how to make it click with what I wanted to achieve with the brand. Like I knew the world didn't need just another brand, right? No one needs just another retail brand. So I'm like, was trying to figure out how do I bring all my experiences and what I believe in and value into this thing that I'm trying to create. Um, and I think over the past, over the, that time of building the business plan, I really started to ask myself those questions. I'm like, what is important to me? Why is community important to me? Um, I also managed and ran um, community at my old job as well. So that was like a big part of, of, I guess, shaping why community became so inherent in, in my thought process too and what I believe in is because I saw the the results that can happen when you bring people together. Like I saw the really cool things that could happen when um, you get people together in a space that don't know each other, but like kind of share similar interests. Or even if they don't share similar interests, they are able to at least facilitate cool conversations or interesting conversations. Yes, there can be a spark. Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. And I think seeing that, seeing those opportunities of like the spark and the connection um, really just trigger that for me. It was like really cool to see. And I think that that just kept me um, invested in this idea of community. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like people are so important, even if it's your team or your friends or your family, like the people that you surround yourself with, they're just so important to you and your growth as a person, as a human, you just learn so much from, from your surroundings. Um, and so your community is a big part of that, right? They're your champions. They're, um, the people you learn from. So yeah, and they're they're the only thing when you're on your deathbed that they're the only thing that's gonna matter. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's not even gonna be like what you did in your no. work or anything. It's no. like what, what were you know? Did you love and were you loved? Totally, totally, one hundred percent. You know what? I um, wanted to ask this question. It's kind of a bit of a pivot away from mm-hmm. community, but you and I have often had these these conversations mm. in and around. Um, vulnerability. And we've often spoken about (laughs) our earlier years and having, you know, our, our troubles Mm. with being, um, a little bit more vulnerable and open Mm. to people, but that we're, we've evolved and have become better throughout the years. Yeah. How have you, how have you come to dance with vulnerability in your life? Um, yeah, I mean, it's still more comfortably. Yeah, it's still yeah. definitely a work in progress. Um, yeah, we've talked about we have deep conversations, May. Like, <laughs> oh my do. gosh, we could just randomly talked about vulnerability. But um, uh, yeah, I think I don't think I ever really understood what vulnerability really meant growing up. Um, I'm very close with my family. Um, we see each other like all the time. We talk all the time. But I think when we were growing up, we um, don't really, we never really dug into like the deep nitty gritty feelings of our emotions. You know, we never were like, tell me about how you're feeling. You know, it's just very, um, you know, your family loves you, but you don't really dig dig deep in that way. So never really grew up that way. Um, and I think it's honestly it was through the process of like building community and like what that meant to me was when I started to understand what vulnerability meant that it doesn't need to be something scary but it's just as opening up yourself to people so that they can actually connect with who you are um I remember I started I don't know what happened but like I just started like t- 
talking to people on the street and like going to restaurants or cafes and literally making some amazing friends just from talking to the barista behind the bar or um I think traveling had a lot to do with that too like once I started making enough disposable income to go and travel that was always my intention was like I wanted to see the world and that was a big thing that I'm so grateful that my parents also um gave us the luxury of seeing was being able to travel and explore Um, and I think when you're put in those positions of going to somewhere brand new where you don't know the language maybe, and you're going by yourself, like you have to be vulnerable. You have Mm -hmm. to connect with people around you. Otherwise you're just never going to see the world or see that, take that experience of where you're being for, to its potential, you know? Um, so I think I learned through that, like you Mm -hmm. just have to be open in order to really receive what you want to receive. Um, and yeah, again, I just started seeing like how incredible sparks can be can be and what and the friendships that you can make when you are more open and um it's so true. Yeah. What you're saying is actually um reminding me of a podcast hmm. that I listened to a few years ago with it was a Tim Ferriss podcast okay. and he was interviewing Laird Hamilton. And his wife, Gabby Reese, okay. Laird Hamilton being one of the greatest surfers yeah. and Gabby Reese being one of the greatest volleyball, beach volleyball yeah. players. And it ended with Gabrielle Reese saying um, one thing that she lives by is always go first. Mm. If it's always to say hello to someone in the street yeah. or smile or share how you express how you're feeling, always go first. I love Be the that. one to go first. I love that. And um, so, yeah, just what you're saying reminds me of that. It's, sometimes it just takes a moment to be like, hey. Totally. Um, you know, love your dog. No, totally. <laughs> totally. No, honestly. And I feel like that was yeah. – I feel like that's how we built a lot of – or me anyways, how I built a lot of the, like, strong relationships I have in my life right now. Mm-hmm. I – um, you know, obviously you meet people in school, you meet people at university and they will always be a part of you. But as an adult, it's hard to meet people. It's hard to make friends, mm-hmm. but, um, I but mean, people, people want are to open. Connect. Exactly. People want to connect. Exactly. If you're, if you're being, if you're just being open totally. and genuine about whatever you're saying or totally. expressing to a stranger, it's, even if it was just that moment, it's, it's still nice. Yeah. That moment will carry for that person in you. Totally. And maybe it'll I pass on too, right? Yeah. Maybe it's like, yeah. you know, the whole domino effect. Like you smile at someone, they smile at someone else and it just keeps going. And I think that that's kind of incredible. So. Yeah. I think it's really incredible too. Mm. Uh, what have you, what's the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself in this last year? Oof. I've learned a lot. <laughs> Um, but I think the biggest thing is learning how to actually, I know this might again sound cliche, but learning how to actually take care of myself. I think I'm very, you know, I mean, you know me, I'm always that person to also be like, oh, like you got a rats, like make sure you're taking care of yourself, like drink your water, take whatever. And then I look at nurturing, that is for sure. (laughs) And then I look at myself and I'm like, I'm literally not doing any of those things. Um, I think I have grown to always like in everything I've done in the past, like I'm always doing something. I like in university, I was working like three jobs. I like was also a part of like so many different clubs and I just was thought it was super woman and like could live off like three hours of sleep and be fine. Then work came along and I just started digging myself into work. I would spend 
all my time at work and, um, you know, be the one that you could email me at 2 a.m. and I would respond. Like I was just always that person. And um, I, I don't think I really realized how much that constant doing or that constant busyness was really such a part of my perceived like identity, I guess. Um, and then when COVID happened, you know, everything just freaking went to a halt and like slow down real, 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 real uh, fast. Um, so I, I think I was trying to figure, I, I really got stuck into like navigating what that meant for me. Like I wasn't able to, you know, we talked about me being like a type A introvert. Um, I think in the past I would always just be like booking things, you know, social hangouts and like coffee chats and dinner dates. And I didn't really realize how much that often took up my calendar in addition to work and meetings and being around people Mm -hmm. um, until COVID hit. And then we couldn't do any of that. And I started realizing, actually, as much as I think I'm an independent person um, and as much as I think I know how to spend time with myself and take care of myself, I actually don't know if I do because I've just distracted myself from all Mm. that. I think I've kept this busyness and this busy schedule as my way of distracting myself from actually taking care of myself Mm -hmm. or whatever that means for me, um, from actually listening to, um, whatever is going on in my head, um, instead of a body or my body. Yeah. Instead of addressing it, I just like brush it aside because I'm too busy and I'm fine and I'm okay. And I got this stuff to do. And, um, I think it was a blessing and a curse that like, I literally am always so I'm just, I just love doing things and love keeping busy but I think what I've realized is that maybe that doesn't serve me as much as I thought it did. There's a lot you can um, learn about yourself when you slow down as well, you know, um, and that you can offer yourself if you slow down as well. And it's, I think, even more important because mm-hmm. you realize you realize how – you realize who you are when you don't have that busyness around you, yes. you know. And yeah. I think that that's a tough one to struggle – that's a tough one to kind of – um, absorb sometimes. It's like, who are we when we don't have anything or when we, not anything, sorry, but like when we, when we're not filling our schedules and we don't have that work that we, you know, identify ourselves with, right? We're so connected to all these tags, I'll call it, you know, things that we hold on to that we think defines us or whether it's work or, you know, even our friendships or our interests, like what we like to do. Um, but it's an interesting thought process to think about when all of that is not around. Like, who are we really? Yes. And do you, when you look in the mirror, do you like what you see when totally. you slow down? Yeah. And when you start really listening to yourself, because yeah. in these slower times, you can hear yourself more in the silence. Definitely. And you can hear what's going on in your head. And it's like a struggle for yeah, sure. Like sometimes you're like, I am a legit crazy no, person. Literally. <laughs> I was like, am I, what is going on here? Um, and the, yeah, it comes up like, you know, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of worry, a lot of everything, right? Insecurities mm-hmm. come up. Um, but yeah, so I think, I don't know, long-winded response to your question, but I feel um the biggest thing I've learned was how important it is to really slow down and like to really slow down, like not just to like say I'm slowing down and like taking whatever self-care, blah, 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 but like to really slow down and like listen, um, think about what it is that I'm feeling um, and then like actually responding to it as opposed mm. to just 
brushing it aside with like a band-aid and like saying, oh, I need to get back to work or I need to do all this stuff. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has it actually you makes feel... you more productive, I feel, yeah. eventually, right? Because well, you become lighter and those exactly. things that were weighing you down that you didn't realize were weighing you down. Totally. Yeah, you're able to kind of surface that and also let it go. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that's great. So yeah. you're more productive? Definitely more. I which, think so. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> which leads me into the next uh, topic yeah, of discussion, yeah. which is a new wellness and tea yeah. brand that you are launching with Gino Kim. Yes. Mecha. Mecha, yeah. Tell yeah. me more. Um, you're going to be the first person we're really talking about this with. Um, so that's Yay. kind of exciting. Um <laughs> But we started this idea, I don't know, it's been a few years now in the making, just kind of like brainstorming about it. But um, it's been really cool because I think we, when I was starting to initially talk to Juno about this, we kind of took um, different approach to what we wanted this business to become. And now the brand is really shaping up to something really interesting, I think. So um, just to give a bit of context on the on the brand, um, Mecha is an Asian herbal tea and wellness company um, that we're, we're building. And for me, it was inspired really from um, my grandparents um, from both sides, one that's with me and one that I actually have never met before, but I just know about them through my my dad's and their family. Um, but they both were immigrants. Both sides were immigrants um, from China, and they came to Vancouver um, in the 60s and raised their whole family there. So my dad has hmm, seven in his family, and my mom has five, and they all have all their kids. So all my cousins and all of us have been born and raised in Vancouver, which was, like, super fascinating and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, we were very – or myself anyways, I was quite removed from my Chinese heritage, I think, growing up. Like, I, it wasn't very prevalent in the household in the sense that we didn't speak Chinese at home. Um, we weren't very, like, traditional in a lot of, like, that um, – in a lot of that sense, I guess. Um, many would say we were, quote-unquote, westernized or, you know, growing up in high school, and people would say, like, you're a banana, like mm. – all those things, which now we're realizing. We've had long yeah. conversations about yeah. the banana yeah, term as exactly, well. Exactly, exactly. Um, but like back then, it didn't really phase me, and so I mean, it, it, it definitely was a little bit like, you know, I remember being like, "Oh, that's kind of weird. Like, what does that really mean? Or why is it something notable for me to be a banana? Like, I'm just am who I am." But anyways. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know what the term banana oh, sorry, means, yeah, yeah. it means yellow on the outside, yeah. white on the inside. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it was like that like casual joke of like, oh, yeah, you're like very like, quote unquote, Western and white. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess it was meant to be, you know, whether it was meant to be taken as a compliment or not, I'm not really sure still, but it it was just one of those things that people would say. Um, and Anyways, I, the, my only really connection to my Chinese heritage at the time was my grandparents. And I would go to their house every week um, when I was younger. We would have dinner there. My my papa would make us, like, food and these teas and soups. And um, my grandpa would actually take time and, like, kind of try to teach me how to write, like, Chinese numbers and my name in Chinese. Like, I have a Chinese name. So, um, but the biggest thing for me was like, I never was able to actually communicate with my grandma because, and still to this day, it's very difficult, um, cause of our language barrier. So she doesn't actually speak English very well. Um, my grandpa does, um, but still quite broken and I obviously don't speak Chinese. And so, um, 
the way that we would communicate would always be through food, always, Mm. you know, Um, whether it was like I was sick and she'd bring me tea or she'd make me this soup or she'd like rub ginger on my back or on my forehead. And it was those little moments that um, I really appreciated um, just having, especially now to this day, I'm still quite close. I try to visit them as often as I can, but with COVID it's difficult, but um, they are just such a core part of me right now. And I think over the past few years, I've really started to realize how um, how much I don't know about my Chinese heritage and how curious I am to learn more about it. Um, as I became an adult, I started spending more time with my grandparents and asking them about their stories and like where they came from and how they came over here and what was that like for them, you know, starting with like nothing really. Um, in a brand new city that actually didn't even want them, you know, mm. um, and kind of going through all those hardships. And it's 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 kind of opened up a lot more. Um, I don't know. It's gotten me thinking a little bit more about how I can start to embrace my culture a bit more in my day-to-day. Um, so that led us to Mecha, essentially. It is a uh, kind of like a... I don't know, an homage to them. Um, and also a, for me, it's kind of like a daily and a constant um, tool to help us with this journey of like connecting ourselves with our heritage and who we're from and bridging that with where we are now in this modern mm-hmm. world. I see us kind of in this like tech, modern monoculture that we're kind of shifting into Um, And it's incredible, right? Everything that's coming out of here, all this technology and development. But I think, as we had mentioned about the slowness in the past, like we're kind of forgetting where we come from, you know? All of us come from somewhere, um, the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And I think that once we're able to embrace that, um, when we can learn about ourselves is when we are open even more so to learning about other people, um, and again, it comes into that whole connection and community, right? It's mm-hmm. um, when we take care of ourselves, we can take care of others. When we learn about ourselves, we can learn about others. And we're wanting to learn about others. And I, I think that that's what we want Mecha to be is that bridge for mm-hmm. reconnecting us back to where we all come from, um, whether you're Asian or not. Um, we all come from somewhere. And yeah. then exploring. And amplifying understanding from totally, there. Totally. And exploring mm-hmm. that and how that can integrate into our current day-to-day um, so this is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. It's like very, um, I'm very, I don't know. Yeah. I'm very stoked because I think it's just a different industry, but also I'm very connected with what we're trying to Mm -hmm. do with Mecha. And Juno comes from, um, obviously he's, you know, got his expertise in the catering and in food and, um, he's a wonderful chef, but he's also brings this element of wellness and mindfulness to the brand that um, I'm extremely excited to see how it all layers together. Essentially, we want our teas and our products to become almost like that guiding tool in your day to day or or a daily reminder even to, um, yeah, to just like take care of your mind, right? Take care of yourself if you're able to um, enjoy the little things like being mindful and drinking your tea. Like that's a moment for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and or then even the ceremony of that. Totally. You know, the boiling the water yeah. and the tea bag. Yeah, exactly. There's something beautiful about, about ritual and ceremony that yeah. uh, has 
been lost in the in the more recent decades. Yeah. So this is amazing to, yeah. to bring that back. Well, I guess watch the space for yeah. more <laughs> announcements have, on launch. Yeah, we don't have an actual date yet, but um, hopefully this year. Great. Well, yeah. we'll have to have you you both yeah. back on yeah. to, to chat about it. That'd be really I cool. I would love that. So are you feeling... I'm just mindful of the time. Yeah. Um, so I've got two questions. Okay. So are you are you hopeful right now? Yeah, I'm very hopeful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we um it's this whole past year especially has really brought to my attention how um privileged and lucky we are, especially to be here, you know, in Vancouver, particularly yes, in Canada on the West Coast. Like mm-hmm. we have nothing to complain about and um we're very lucky that we're even able to relish in the slow right now there's people that are just waking up every day just trying to survive right um and so I think that for us it's acknowledging it's acknowledging all of that right and um in order for us to become better together we have to we have to to see um the positive in things but we also have to see where we can improve um and then make changes but we won't ever be motivated to do that if we don't think there's hope for change and Mm -hmm. for me I think that's important for us to always to have right now is we need to be hopeful for a better future whatever that looks like for all of us because if we lose that hope we lose our our motivation we lose our um our sense of purpose for what we're what we're doing what we're doing why are we waking up every day um you know I I think hope is maybe a little bit for some people it can be a little bit um I don't know what the word is I'm thinking of I don't know, too idealistic potentially. Mm. Um, but I think there's something too far-fetched. Too far-fetched, maybe, yeah. Um, but I think there's something um special in the fact that it is quite, I don't know, intangible. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. it's that is that whole like yeah, I think it just drives us. It's motivating. It's something that we need to we need to be hopeful because if we're we're not hopeful, we just aren't. We're kind of lost. I think mm. you know it's the, it's mm. um, the light, yeah, in the in the dark dark days. So, yeah. yeah. And my final question: mm. with all the things that you're doing right now, um, and then with your life, what is it that you hope to leave behind in the world? Mm. Um. I just want, I don't know, I just want to connect people and I want to um, help people and just like share kindness and curiosity with everybody. I think um, at my core, I really want to make the world a smaller place in a a sense. Um, There's so many great humans in everywhere and being able to 
like where I find the most, I guess, joy is when I see people connect that maybe have never would never be in that space same space to connect before and see something happen with them. Kind of mm-hmm. like similar to what you've been doing. Um, I think you can resonate. It's just really, really cool and special to see when when connections are made that maybe never would have been made in the past. And um, I just hope that through everything that we do or that I do or that I'm involved in, um, I can show people that connection, community, curiosity, and just like creating with one another wholeheartedly um, is – an absolute gift, but also, yeah, it's, it's just a gift because it, it shows you there is so much possibility mm-hmm. in the world. I don't know. I think it just allows for us to think bigger, mm-hmm. you know, where um, I think sometimes we get secluded often or stuck in our minds because we are on the West Coast and we're quite small in Vancouver and we've, we've got really nothing really to complain about here. We're pretty grateful and lucky to be here. Um, But I think connecting with other people outside of our norm or connecting with people in different cities that we maybe might not connect with before, we just learn so much more from each other. Um, And so to remain humble and curious, to Mm -hmm. like continue to seek that, I think that that is hopefully what I think we can show through what we do is that the world is can be smaller than we think it to be um and we can have bigger impact on the people around us through even like the small small moments and the small steps so a smaller kinder place yeah I love it yeah well thank you so much for opening up your heart and spending this time with me thank you for having me yeah always always so enjoyable thanks Courtney thanks so much May If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes of The Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.